<laughs> awesome, guys. I'm here with uh, my buddy, Matt Boudreaux. Um, Matt, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Pleasure, man. Glad to do it. Awesome, man. So I want to talk to you about your speaking first. Uh, I know you, you know, speak to a lot of different companies. Uh, so how did you get started with that? And, uh, we could just take it from there. Yeah, man. Um, it is uh, something that kind of happened by almost by accident. Um, I, mean, I got a big mouth and I, and I knew I liked to get in front of people and, and kind of run it and, and saying what I had to say um, and, and found that out early on working at Stanford, kind of getting up in front of a, a lot of crowds there. And um, so always in, always enjoyed that, but uh, really was once I got into education, uh, had more and more opportunities to do that at, you know, educational conferences and things of that nature kind of just started speaking up about things that I wanted to change, things that I wanted to do. And it really kind of organically took off from there. I just ended up being a, hey, would you kind of do a breakout session at this next conference? And then that turned into, would you keynote our next conference? And then all of these educational keynotes turned into, you know, a TED, a TED talk years ago uh, and got connected with another organization out of that that said, hey, we love what you're doing with the paradigm shifts in education. Uh, we're kind of doing the same thing with Fortune 500s. Would you be interested in coming to take a look at our research and uh, maybe maybe partnering up on that? Uh, so flew out to Texas and took a look at what they were doing, loved it. And um, so that became really became my moneymaker for, for years. You know, I was doing 50, 60 uh, keynotes a year for Fortune 500s all over the world and uh, have you know, gotten to continue. As I built up my other businesses, it's it's something that I'm I'm dying down so that I can you know stay home, not be on an airplane every day. Um, but it's it's been a it's been a fun ride, and it helps inform a lot of the other stuff that we do, you know, and, and obviously the connections that are that are there and all of that. So it's it's been fun, man. What do you uh, what do you speak about? Besides, I mean, you mentioned your other companies, but what are they with actually the businesses? What do they bring you out for? You there? So you're cut. Not a little bit on this side. Um, so are you okay? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. It's chopping. Yeah, Zoom's been acting up lately, man. Yeah. Yeah, we've been having some. I mean, we got, we should be fully dialed in here. Um, yeah. I would think, but it's been it's been a mess for a lot of people, man, for sure. Okay. Yeah. My bad on that. Um, so what are these actual, these Fortune 500 companies, what do they bring you out there to speak about? I know you mentioned you drive awareness to your companies. What do they bring you out there for? Yeah. So we'll still get, uh, we'll still get some education, you know, related things. And so go out and, and when I'm working with schools and school districts, you know, it's, it's how do we implement um, some of what you're doing in education, you know, how do we implement it here on this scale or, or, you know, I'll go out to a university, do a commencement address and those kind of things. But when I work with the, you know, fortune 500s, it is around the topic of generations. And so it's around the topic of how do we recruit and retain good young talent? How do we lead and manage when you've got a, you know, a, a cadre of baby boomers and Gen Xers in the management sphere of our organization. And we're trying to recruit, you know, these 22 year olds and they operate different. They see the world differently. The culture has been different. So we don't understand how to communicate one to, to another. Um, and sometimes it's working with the younger people and, and here's the expectations, you know, that 
your bosses have. And so here's how we've got to view that. And so it's, it's all around generations around communication around that. So sometimes it dips into the sales and the marketing and, and all of those things, but mostly it's around that communication piece and understanding one another. What, what drew you to that? And that seems pretty like a specific thing. Like what, what really got your interest in that? Yeah. People. Um, I am one of those, I'm one of those rare individuals I actually genuinely like people. Um, I, I think people are fascinating. I think people are super, super interesting. Um, you know, and one of the things that I say a lot is that I am, I am really, really bad at almost everything. Um, but I stay, you know, kind of connected to the things that I'm really good at. And one of the things that I think I'm very lucky to have always been really good at is understanding people. Um, even before I started studying people, just kind of intuition, I can get along uh, with anybody. You know, and I had somebody tell me years ago, you know, that she said, you can get along with uh, anybody from what she said, in-laws, infants and inmates, you know, and, and I really have found that to be the case. I, I don't think there's anybody I can't connect with. Um, and a lot of that is intuitive. And then a lot of that is just understanding humans. So uh, being able to to have that understanding, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to get in front of these companies and lay out some blueprints of some things that as long as they're willing to follow that blueprint, it changes, it changes their business, changes them personally, changes how they parent, changes how they, they operate all together. So interesting. I know we have communicated a little bit back and forth before we actually started the show before we really kind of you know, hopped on zoom. Um, I know that your, your kind of mission is to, you know, reshape, you know, what the school system looks like. Um, what does that mean to you? And what are your, your goals with that? What does that, what does that really mean? Yeah, we'll never reshape the school system because there's too much money and too many politics in it. Um, the school system is a very, in our country, public school system is a very um, powerful entity that will never go away. Um, it'll only get worse. So once I realized that, then it was, uh, there was no point in me trying to change the system anymore. It was now we've just got to do something better and yeah. build something better. And so that's what acting, you know, as a network is really all about is about building, uh, building something better and, and just showing the world, uh, Hey, look, you know, we can, we can talk about it. Most people, and that's what most people do anyways, right. Is most people talk about all the changes they'd like to see, talk about all the things they use, like, Hey, somebody should invent this or, yeah. Oh man, why does it, why doesn't somebody do this? And, um, for me, that's just a, a piss poor way to live. So if I, if I have the, the thought in my head, well, Hey, somebody should, and it's something that is impacting me or it's impacting my family or it's impacting people I care about, then I will be the somebody who will. And so that is, you know, that's really the mentality of really all of the act and owners is right. Well, then we will go ahead and band together to show people what a, a real system of education should look like. Schooling and education are vastly different. Mm -hmm. Schooling is all about conformity. You know, schooling is all about um, perpetuating the status quo and, and really dumbing people down. Uh, education is a lifelong endeavor that is really only taken up by the individual. So we're, you know, I say we're a bunch of Morpheuses, right? Who look at our students as Neo and go, dude, we're going to open the doors for what education really is. And at that point, it's going to be up to you on whether or not you want to walk through them. Yeah. You can't really force someone to educate themselves. You can force them to go to school. Nope. Yeah, that's right. 
That's exactly right. You can force them to go to school, but you can't force them to be educated. You can't force them to take on, uh, you know, the, the opportunities because opportunity usually looks like hard work. <laughs> and, and so people don't like opportunities. People talk about wanting opportunities. What they really want is hand-me-downs, right. right? But we will provide opportunities and we will invite our young people on our campuses to take advantage of the opportunities. We will not force them because we know that's a waste of our time and energy. Um, but those that take advantage of the opportunities, their life looks a whole lot different than the masses. So how is this different than a typical, like wh how old are the people that go here? First of all, I think you have three schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're K through 12 um on on our yeah k through 12 on our campuses uh well one of our campuses is k through k through eight um but the other two are k through 12 and really each individual and the k through eight is just more a product of that's gonna be a product of space more than anything else that's all um the reason we don't go to high school and we're near enough to this campus where they can come here for high school so k through 12 um uh the difference is are honestly ridiculously multifaceted um you know one of the things that i tell our parents at our open houses i try to get them to leave as quickly as i can when they come in i try to scare them all away and to see if they actually really want to be here so i tell them things like um this isn't school this is a workplace for young people i tell them things like our ideal day on this campus is that none of the adults even show up and none of the kids care don't notice doesn't matter nothing changes right because what we're doing is we're providing systems, we're providing games, we're providing um, systems, we're providing contracts, we're providing all of these things for the students to ultimately take control of all of it. So we believe very much in them learning how to set goals. They're learning to set their own academic or individual project-based goals, right? Just because I'm 12 and you're 12, does not mean we should be doing the same thing. That's asinine. That's public school. Public school says, yeah, not only should you be doing the same thing, you need to do it at the exact same time uh, in the exact same way, right? It's, it's ridiculous. We don't do any of the rest of our life that way. It's an asinine concept. In, in, and the stuff that we have them do half the time has no relevance to anything that's actually going on right now too. So we take that off the table. You're going to learn to set your own goals. You're going to become a person who sets goals for themselves and then learns to achieve those goals. Not only are you going to learn to achieve those goals, you're going to understand that all of your freedom is on the other side of responsibility. The more responsibility you take on and handle, the more freedoms you get. So we have systems that are built in for that. We understand that civil discourse is something people can't uh, wrap their mind around as a nation anymore. So we teach them how to actually have a conversation, how to think what the rules of engagement of a real conversation are, how to keep your emotions out of it, because at some point you're going to get to where you disagree. So how do you keep that conversation going as a leader would? Um, we give them the, the tools to be able to do that. We want them taking on real work. So we believe that young people are ridiculously capable. And so they all start businesses. They either start a business every year or they have a business that they take into perpetuity. Many of them have multiple businesses. Many of them make enough money to pay for their own tuition with cool. the businesses they run. We think doing things matters a whole lot more than having somebody yak at you about things. So we want you know to give them opportunities to take responsibility as much as humanly possible. Um, and we know that builds like an entirely different individual. That's awesome. What's the response been from like a lot of parents? 
like I mean there's a lot of traditional people that might think that you need to learn you know trigonometry when you're you know in ninth for grade. sure I've, yeah for sure I've my entire life I mean yeah for sure man it uh it scares a lot of people for sure um and then there are people who they either get scared and they can't wrap it around like I I I always use the metaphor of you're trying to change somebody's religion Right. If if somebody has grown up as whatever, a Christian or a Muslim or a Mormon or you know, whatever, and you go off and you're like, Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and try to change your religion right now. Let's sit down and have a conversation. It's there's immediate like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I don't even want to entertain it, you know. And so school without people even realizing it has become almost this religious like thing where people go, no, this is what school looks like. And this is what you need to do because if you do this, everything's going to be okay. Even though it's probably false. Yeah. Um, you know, people have that adherence to it. Right. So, um, so, so you got that, you got that group that doesn't want to hear anything and, and will think that anything outside of that is dangerous. So that's fine. So we don't try to, we don't, I have no desire to try to convince somebody that's not convincible. That's a waste of my time. Right. So, we got them. Um, but then we also have the parents who come in and get it, but are still so enamored by that old religion that they have a hard time letting go. So, you know, that's, those are the people that I talk about having a, a disconnect between their intellectual understanding and their emotional response. They get it. Everything that we're saying, they go, yes, that makes sense. Yes. This is how it should be. Yes, 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 yes. And then when their kid is not doing trigonometry, their kid could be making $20,000 a year as a 15 year old, right? Understand how to run a PL, right? I understand that, but because they don't have that traditional metric, there's that little voice in the back of their head from that religion of school that goes, ah, but what about grade level math, right? And all these weird little thoughts. So then yeah. you have to, then you battle that, right? So you got the parents that are in that group. And then you've got parents that go, holy hell, this is exactly what it is. I want to build a resilient young person. I want them to struggle. I want them to, to lead their life. I want them to be responsible. Um, I am I am all in, full send, and let's go. Um, you know, and those are, the, those are the parents that not only does that make it easier on our end, those are the kids that absolutely thrive and become unstoppable human beings. Yeah, just based on some of the things you're talking about, the skills they're learning in that. I mean, that sounds like if you did a little test between someone who came out of your school versus someone who's been learning shit they're never going to use in their entire life. I mean, it, it seems like a no-brainer, you know? It's not even close. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's why night, do you think it is? Night, night or day. You what? Yeah, I said it's night, it's night and day. Yeah. I mean, why do you think that is that they teach us, you know, all this crap that we never use in our entire lives in school? So that you're useless. So that you're useless. And when I say that, it's not, this isn't a teacher thing. So I always, I get pushed back on this all the time where they're like, oh, well, you hate, you think teachers are bad. You think administrators are bad. Right. You think, no, I don't at all. I was a public school teacher. I have friends that are public school teachers. I get it. You go in there for the right reasons. For sure, you go in for the right reasons. For sure, you actually do make an impact on these young people. If you're a good human and you care about them, for sure, you make an impact on them. So I'm full support on that. But it goes back to that religion thing. If you, you know, let's say I make up the, 
I decide I'm going to make up the religion of, of the flying spaghetti monster. And that's going to be my, my religion. And I build up a good following around that, right? I can have all the good intentions in the world, but if I'm day in, day out, pouring into a young person about the flying spaghetti monster, am I really doing them a, a good service? I'm teaching them provable bullshit that's not going to give them anything good to do in their life. Am I really doing right by them, right? And so that's the system of school. The system of school is intentionally set up as a flying spaghetti monster to get people to focus on things that are, and it's, but it's even more insidious because flying spaghetti monster, you understand that's a crock of shit from the get go because there's no such thing. School, they say some things and do provide some things that are valuable. So people get trapped to go, okay, then the whole system is valuable. Absolutely. The whole system is dangerous. It actually teaches conformity. It actually teaches people not to question anybody who's loudly claiming authority. It allows for a subversion of, of agendas to come through, right? Like there's a long tail, more insidious plan on, on what you're doing with, with schooling, which is why once I figured that out, I had to leave because um, I wasn't going to be a part of that. And that's why I know that it's also not, we're not able to change that. I'm not going to you know, we're not going to change that. So I'm not going to spend my time trying to, trying to tear it down and rebuild it. I'm going to leave it and build something better. It's intentional. Yeah. And you mentioned that a lot of times people hear this kind of stuff about their kids, they kind of dig their heels in the, in the dirt and they don't want to you know, change. Um, is that difficult yeah. to kind of convince? Cause I know a lot of people that are like very traditional when it comes to their mindset on, you know, education, yeah. you have to go get a, you know, master's degree to be successful, to make any kind of money. It's just not how it works anymore. So it's like, is that difficult to you know shift their paradigm? Um, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I won't even try. Yeah, some people it's not even worth trying with. I feel like because it it's not, not. Yeah, they're not changing. It's not. I'm not going to waste my time with it. I mean, we're at this point where again, proof is in the pudding. Like it's obvious at this point that we create, not create. That's the wrong word that we allow for real growth, right? That we have, that we're able to facilitate real growth. Um, it's obvious at this point. So uh, I will not waste my time in even trying to convince. Um, if you're, if you're against it, then cool. Don't come. Um, you know, if you like, I, I won't, I won't waste my time with it. Um, I literally won't. I'm, 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 I'm here for the people that want to change themselves and, and, um, you know, take this on. And if you don't want to take it on, there are plenty of people who do like, I, I literally won't waste my time. Yeah. I feel like that would absolutely lose my mind if I was doing that and I was trying to save everybody. Right. That's, and that's, you did your exactly. And that's the mindset of an educator anyways, or a good teacher in school or whatever. Like that's one of the things you have to learn. You can't, you can't save everybody, you know, and that's, that's one of those things that is, is even in this, man, it ends up being one of the most frustrating things. You know, the, we want to help everybody. So it's like, Hey, we want to, we want to save everybody. We want to lay this out. I lay this roadmap out for students to take. All they have to do is follow the roadmap and things work. But when they don't, you're like, Oh my God, like, like why, you know, and the same thing with the parents, I try to lay these roadmaps out for understand for them to understand you know, what they're doing as parents matters to how that young person is, is turning out. And again, like you can, I can beat my head silly 
with all the people that just don't want to do it because it because it takes work. Again, it's an opportunity, but it's because it takes work, you know. And so when I came to the understanding that the majority of people would rather follow the masses, the majority of the people are actually opposed to hard work, um, and there's nothing I can do to change it, then I let go of of feeling responsible for their for their reaction. I'm responsible for like I said, being Morpheus, right? I'm responsible for opening the door. They're responsible for walking through. That's where the relationship is. If they do it, great. I'm right there alongside. I am the co-passenger of their journey. Whatever I can do to help navigate, great. But if they decide to turn the engine off or drive backwards, cool, man, let me out of the car. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, that way you're doing your job. You know, it kind of sucks though because the parent, the kids don't get to choose for themselves. If they were you know, if they were able to understand that, hey, you know, or at least make the decision themselves and actually think about yeah. it and it, then it might be a little bit different, but it's the, it's the parents that are deciding what happens for their kids. I mean, well, it makes it so it's, and it's not even just the deciding of what happens. It's the, uh, the boundaries they have or have not set, right? Like I can explain something all day to some young people and they might get it too, but if they know they're entitled at home. Mommy and daddy are always going to cover their butts and pat their bottoms. And uh, mom and dad don't expect any kind of responsibility. Then me going, hey, we're going to give you all this responsibility over here because that's actually going to help you know you to become this human that can build this stuff. That's not as attractive because when I get home, I don't have any boundaries. When right. I get home, mommy and daddy always take care of me, right? So that's why it's so important for us that mom and dad are on that growth mindset too. You know, um, I can allow, I have three kids and they're young. Um, but the reality is I allow them to make decisions partially because they know exactly what the boundaries are in our life and they make really good decisions. Like I don't, I literally don't worry, but it's because my wife and I have taken years and years and years and years of every single day, making sure we've built in those boundaries. I was telling a story this morning, my little dude just turned my youngest. He just turned five yesterday. And, uh, so there was, um, but there was like last at the end of last week, there was a, a, a young lady in his studio that had a birthday. And so she brought treats, you know, for the class and, and all this stuff. Now, my kids know, like we, we understand nutrition actually matters. It matters a lot for your physical health, for your mental health. Um, you know, it matters what you put in your body makes a difference. My kids will be the first ones if they see a treat, they'll be able to evaluate it and go, yeah, that is something that I, I do consume or that is something I don't. And they won't oh, whine and cry. They'll just go, no, I don't eat that. I eat that or I don't. And that's just who I am. That's what I do. Hmm. He, even at four, was like, hmm. the mom came in and presented this as something healthy. She said these key words right here that I'm aware of, but it still didn't look like something I would normally consume. So he just asked at four years old, can I just go ahead and put that in a baggie and take that home? And then when he came home, he's like, I wasn't sure what my response should be on this. Here's what it is. What should I do? That's pretty cool. He's That's a four-year-old. Yeah. Right. It is cool. And it's, and it's how kids all could be if you just set the bound and my kids are not deprived. My kids ask any, my kids are the happiest kids I know. Um, but they're happy because they know their boundaries. They have responsibilities. They've got self-confidence from taking on a ton of stuff. Uh, right. And so all, all young people are capable of that, but parents don't want to do the work of doing it day in and day out and being consistent. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's definitely something that starts in the house. I mean, at a very, very young age, and yep. if it gets to a certain point, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, your four-year-old's able to do that kind of stuff, but if you were trying to convince a four-year-old to start right there and act that way, it'd probably be pretty difficult. So you have to start super, super early, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm, I'm not a parent, but... It would, but you're right. You're exactly right. And so that's one of the things that we run into is when people want to come and have their student come to our, come to our campus and their student is 14, you know how difficult it's going to be for them? Oh, yeah. Right? It's such a different game because they have so many years of however their parents have raised them. Plus, if they've come out of public school, they don't even realize how deep the indoctrination goes as far as their mindset, their work habits, the way they look at things, their perspective on things. They don't even – they have no idea how hard it is, and it takes so long, if ever – to get them to switch over and become this self-directed individual. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's again, they've, they've been indoctrinated so long. You're, you're starting to get to the point where you're having to change their religion too. Right. Like it's that. Yeah. That has to be difficult, man. Um, respect for, for doing that. Um, so, I mean, is this compatible? How does this work? Like when it comes to the no, you know, I think it's maybe the state government, maybe the federal government, whatever it is, they get mad at a lot of parents for not sending, like if you decide, hey, I'm not going to send my kids to school, then get right. in trouble for that, right? Does that, how does that work with this? This is just like a yeah. private school, they recognize that? Yeah, so we can, I mean, it depends on how we, on how we, you're right. So federal, you know, you've got to theoretically got to go to school, right? And the government loves you to be in their institution because then they get to tell you how to, how to behave and what to think. And there's money that, you know, gets to, you get to have some money that goes along with those kids. Um, so they're not a huge fan of people pulling out and homeschooling or going to private school as it is. Right. But um, the way we have ours set up, it is so that nobody, we don't take any government money. So government has no ability to tell us what to do. Um, so we just kind of roll as now some States, you can do it as a private school. What state are you in? Uh, we're in uh, Illinois. Outside in of Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Um, Illinois, if I was to open an act in an Illinois, I, I don't know. I might still run it the way there are certain States where, yeah, you just run it as a private school and the government pretty much stays out of that. Illinois actually might be one where I'd run it more like I'm doing here in California, where I set it up as like a, uh, almost like a homeschool co-op. So all of our parents will register with the state as homeschooled, which currently is at least still legal. Um, I have no doubt at some point that'll get taken away, but currently it's still legal. And so then, and then they just come here. Right. And so that way we take no government money. We're privately funded. Um, nobody can tell us what to do at all. And that's how I wanted it. You mentioned homeschool is going to go what? Is that a, really? Oh, I'm sure it will. Oh, I'm sure it will. Why? I'm sure it will. I don't know what the time frame. I don't know what the time frame is on that because, because if you, if you eliminate people's ability to, have the right to educate themselves and you force them to have to go to a government run school, it is a much easier population to control. Other countries have already done it. Um, and you already see if you're in this arena, you can see it already happening right now. There's more and more legislation. I get to be at the, the front row seat here in California who usually leads the way California and New York lead the way on all this, you know, garbage, but 
um, the big push right now is to eliminate the homeschool charters that allow for homeschool families to still get some government money. There are a lot of things being put in place to crush them, to eventually get them to go away. And so that's just one step in that direction. Um, so, you know, again, I know that that'll be something they'll go after how long it takes for them to do it, whether that happens in five years, 10 years, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but the writing is on the wall. You can see all of these things. When you start to understand the education game, you can see all of these things play out years before they actually do. Does this frustrate you? Oh, it's a, it, what frustrates me is not that that is what the agenda is. Um, but what frustrates me is that people it's easier to not pay attention to the agenda and just go along with the status quo. And most people will just go along with the status quo. That's what frustrates me. And that, especially as a parent, I don't understand why you would, I, my mind just doesn't work that way. I'm going to, I'm not going to do that and go, Oh, well, I went to school. So that's what I'm going to send my kids to dude. It's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same thing. And by the way, even the school you went to, it didn't prepare you for everything either. So like, why would you not? But I know why they wouldn't, because again, it's harder work. It You have to be more intentional. You've got to be consistent. That's what's frustrating to me is that people don't want to take action. Yeah, people, oh, I turned out fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's the, that's the argument is I turned out fine. And I, at first, and I always come back with, it's one of two things. One, either maybe you did and fine sucks. I don't want fine for my kids. I want them to go crush their life and enjoy it, right? Fine sucks. I'm not fine. I'm going out and trying to, you know, I'm trying to live according to a code and according to a purpose. Um, or no, you didn't. <laughs> a lot of the people that say I turned out fine. Nope. I would argue that that's not correct at all. Yeah, I would too. Most of the time it's the rather, I mean, <clears throat> okay. So is this, this is in it. How'd you meet Tim Kennedy? That's, I want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So Tim, um, been loosely connected. So I was in the mixed martial arts world years ago too, before it kind of really took when it was really shady. Um, you know, there was no blood, no blood tests. You're kind of 30 pounds difference, you know, than your opponent, but you know, you weighed in ish, you find out who you're fighting the day before. Um, so kind of old, old school past life sort of stuff. So I had gotten sort of loosely connected with him then. Um, and then just kind of paid attention. And so we still maintain, I didn't maintain a lot of, uh, conversation with him over the years, but, um, connections with mutual friends, mostly through that sport. Um, and so, you know, when I, as I've gone kind of down this hole of opening up these schools and doing all this kind of stuff, um, when the idea of Apogee and what we're doing with that kind of came to me and I sort of built that out. For me, knowing him at least a little bit and then knowing, but more importantly, knowing where he stood um, from an integrity standpoint, from an honor standpoint, from a, um, you know, his thought process standpoint, he was somebody that made sense to me to reach out and partner with. He obviously has a large uh, following. He's got a good voice um, and he has people that, again, I have no desire to convince anybody, right? So most of the people that follow him and will listen to what he has to say are really people that, that are kind of in our same sort of thought process anyways. And so I knew that would kind of make sense just from a business standpoint. And so that's why I reached out, um, reached out to him. So loosely connected for years, but you know, more intimately connected as we built this out. That's cool. Yeah. Tim, Tim seems like a good guy. We uh, yeah. had Justin green, the guy who uh, runs sheepdog response with him. Uh, we had him on the podcast. I think he was our fourth or fifth guest. Um, 
but yeah, Tim's like a really good dude. I've watched a lot of videos of him and yep. seen a good dude with a good heart. Whole bunch of good guys out there at Sheep Darby Response. That whole that whole crew is cool. And so I'm actually helping them open an acting academy uh, out there too in Texas. Mm, over in Austin? Which is which is pretty cool. So we're gonna get a physical get a yeah, out there in Austin. Yeah, Cedar Park right there in, in a suburb of Austin. Yeah. Awesome, man. I'm actually looking at apartments down there. Over in oh, Cedar are you really? Yeah. In Cedar Park. Yeah, nice, dude. Yeah. So that'll be open in the fall. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So in addition to that, um, I wanted to ask you about your podcast. Uh, I know we talked about that just a little bit before we got started. Um, yeah. What is Essential 11? Um, where can people find it? And you can just take it from there. Yeah, that's cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, the Essential 11, um, again, everything, like everything I do, all is intertwined, right? The speaking intertwined helps inform what we do here on the on the school campuses we're getting to hear from these leaders and integrate it here you know apogee that tim and i are building to build out these young people virtually um all of that is money that gets funneled back into here to help scholarships essential 11 is no different um basically a scholarship uh kind of program for our young people but it's also you know looking to provide value to young people and so um we went to uh, 1500 young people 13 to 22 years old about a year ago and said hey what you know, kind of a tribe of mentors, uh, sort of thing said, look, if we go to some just people that are out kicking ass, what do you want to know? Like, what, what advice, if you could sit down with these rock stars and, and ask them a question that they could answer for you, you know, in terms of just getting better as a human being, what would you want to ask and keep it general enough so that we can ask a number of people, you know, and, and, um, we'll go from there. So we cultivated those top 11 questions, and um, that's what we do is we sit down and we use those 11 questions as the framework for the conversation. You know, kind of like you said at the beginning, it's not an interrogation. I don't go, number one, number, <laughs> number two, number three. But we use those as the framework for the conversation. Um, and so we go to just really, really cool people, you know, and that have interesting stories and are actually people of action. They are actually doing something. They're not pontificating. They're actually making a difference. They're actually taking action on something. They're staying consistent. All those things that we've been talking about. Um, you know, adults that are doing that leading by example, and we ask them those questions and just kind of have a fun chat about it. So, um, it's been cool, man. So 85, 85 episodes in, uh, less than a, a little, or no, right about, right about a year, which is great. And, um, got plenty more cool episodes on the way. We just actually, I just did a episode with Tim, uh, yesterday. So that'll come out. Um, that'll come out on Sunday. Uh, we've got, a number of people coming up. We've got uh, Sean Baker, uh, Zuby, uh, what's his name? Zuby Music, uh, Ted Nugent, Sean mm -hmm. Whalen, uh, the awesome. Lions Not Lions Not Sheep guy. Um, you know, I mean, we just we had a bunch of, of cool folks lined up, man. Um, so it's cool. It's a whole lot of fun. That's awesome. People can find that on Apple, Spotify, find it anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, we got our website up now too. That. Allie, Allie's back. There she is, back there. Hi. <laughs> so Allie, Allie makes all this stuff, uh, all, all this stuff actually work. Um, so we've got uh, essential11podcast.com is up. It's got all the episodes there, but you can find you can find the Essential Eleven on absolutely every platform, and on YouTube too. We're starting to upload most of our uh, most of our episodes there too. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'll put the uh, link to that in the show notes. The podcast. People could find that work to work with you with uh, Apogee and uh, anything else book you for speaking. Where can people do all that? 
Yeah. Thanks, man. So, um, Apogee strong is where to check out Apogee. So that's the, the website is a P O G E E strong.com. Uh, and can see what Apogee is all about. If you got a young man, um, in your life, it's, we've got right now, young men enrolled from 12 years old up to 22, 23, um, everywhere in between. We're literally have young men all over the world, um, that are involved in the program, which is pretty rad. So check out Apogee strong. Um, and then, everything for me on uh, any kind of social platform or whatever is, is just my name. It's just Matt Bodro. Um, and if people want to talk, you know, speaking, anything like that, they can always reach out um, there or any of my emails, you know, Matt at Acton Placer, Matt at Apogee Strong. You can yell Matt. I'll probably hear it. Um, but I'm, I'm down to connect anywhere. People like to connect. I like to give them options. Awesome. And uh, last thing, your uh, Instagram, how do you spell your last name? You said Matt, M-A-T-T. How do you spell last name? Good call. Yeah. M-A-T-T and then B-E-A-U-D-R-E-A-U. B-A-U. Okay. I used to live next to a Boudreaux over in Texas. I still don't even know how to spell it. So. <laughs> oh, did you? That's awesome. Yeah. There's so many different ways, man. There's a lot of B-O-U's. Some people throw an X at the end. Yeah. Um, so that's why when you ask like, hey, how do you say this? I'm like, dude, I don't even know. Like it's, I don't know. We got our California version of it, but I don't know how to actually say it. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm French, but I'm not French. So. <laughs> Awesome, Matt. Well, appreciate you coming on, brother. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you. Pleasure. Pleasure's mine, man. Good chat with you, Brandon. Awesome. Man.